بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الحمدللہ tonight is the 8th of December in the year 2023 and Alhamdulillah we're beginning the 6th week the 36th night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abu Hurairah and I spent a few sessions in which we're taking a glimpse into his phenomenal worship So in the hadith in Tabarani in his Sagheer, volume 1, page 73, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu, he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa once said to me, O Abu Huraira radiyallahu, when you make wudu, recite, Bismillahi walhamdulillah, in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and all praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As your recording angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, will then continue to record virtues for you just as long as you are in the state of wudu. So here another gift given to Abu Hurairah So the Prophet told him, sallallahu alayhi wasalam, when you make wudu, recite this zikr, very easy, simple zikr. Bismillahi walhamdulillahi. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if you do this, your recording angels, والسلام, will continue writing virtues for you just as long as you are in the state of wudu. Subhanallah. So now, just a point. If one performs wudu in the privy, then this and other du'as should be done after one exits. So obviously, the wudu now usually at home is in the privy. So this zikr should be done before you enter or after you enter. Bismillahi walhamdulillah. If you do it in a place which is not a privy, maybe in the masjid, then there's no harm during wudu itself. So you say Bismillahi walhamdulillah. So don't get too caught up when should you recite it. But after you perform your wudu, recording angels, they record for you good deeds until you break your wudu. Now think about that. What deeds are they recording? So for instance, if you keep your wudu for a few hours, they're continuously writing good deeds for you because of that blessed zikr. So no point asking me what good deeds they're writing. Whatever it is, this is the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So who did Rasulullah give that gift to? Sallallahu alayhi wa Abu Hurairah. And he graciously passed it on to us, radiyallahu in another report it mentions, Obeid Rahmatullah he said, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah he once met a woman who was wearing perfume and heading to the masjid. He thereupon asked, Ya Amatal Jabbar, Ain O the bonds woman of the compeller, where are you headed? She replied to read al masjid, to the masjid. He responded, And have you put on perfume for that reason? She said, yes. Abu Hurairah thereupon said, I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, أَيُّ مَنْ رَعَتٍ تَتَيَّبْتِ ثُمَّ خَرَجَتْ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ 
لم تقب الله صلاته حتى تغسل any woman who put, puts on perfume then goes out to the masjid then no salat will be accepted from her until she takes a bath subhanallah so let's look at this so this is in abu dawood number 4174 ibn majah number 4002 hasan bihaqi 3-133 shaykh al-bani rahmatullah stated hasan in his sahih sunan ibn majah 2-367 so it's an authentic report So a woman was going to the masjid. So is there any harm? No. The women obviously, as long as there's facilities, they can pray in the masjid. It's more rewarding if they pray at home, but they can come to the masjid. So this woman was heading to the masjid, but Abu Huraira, he smelled a very strong perfume. So he addressed her, and it's interesting how he addressed her. He goes, Ya Amatal Jabbar, Aynatun Yideen. Oh, the... Maid servant of the compeller. So he used the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jabbar. He goes, where are you going? She replied, I'm going to the masjid. So Abu Huraira said, have you put on perfume for that reason? In other words, you put perfume on to come to the masjid. She said, yes. He replied, Rasulullah said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, any woman who puts on perfume then goes out to the masjid. No salat will be accepted from her until she has a bath. So now, another report before commentary. The perfume of this woman was extremely strong because in another report it mentions a woman passed by Sayyidina Abu Huraira and her perfume was overwhelming. The narration then is the same. But it adds, Abu Huraira said, go back and do ghusl. For I have heard Rasulullah say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala does not accept the salat of any woman who goes to the masjid with overwhelming perfume until she goes back and does ghusl. Mm. This is in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Khuzaimah, number 1682, Sahih. Sheikh Ahmad Shakir, Rahmatullah, stated Sahih in his checking of the Musnad, number 7350, and Sheikh Al-Bani, Rahmatullah, stated Hassan. So here the very important clarification, overwhelming perfume, meaning it was like really, you know, emitting from the woman. So he goes, go and do ghusl, not wudu, ghusl, because no salat is accepted of a woman who goes to the masjid with overwhelming perfume. So now, a few points. Deodorants, they are fine for the female folk when she attends the masjids, provide provided she avoids unnecessary adornments and beautification. So this is not talking about, you know, body odor and the rest of it. The odorants are fine. So it's not referring to that. She can put on, obviously, whatever she wishes, but she must avoid unnecessary adornment and beautification. So now why did Abu Huraira address her By the, by the maid servant of Jabbar, Al-Jabbar. Why did he say that? Usually the Arabs will say, Amatullah, servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He, the reason he said compeller, because it implies a slight rebuke. So he used one of the other names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So even before he addressed her, He got the point across that he was slightly displeased with what he was observing. It is also important to note 
that the blessed scholars rahimahumullah have advised caution when advising non-mahram women i want should be brief and to the point mm. notice abu hurairah didn't start having a conversation with her you know it's a fine night how are you how's your father right he just got to the point the reason is that when you are advising non-mahram women you keep it brief you need to keep it to the point how many brothers are fooled into thinking otherwise under the pretext i am only giving her dawa <laughs> you know you see this quite often on the campuses we do with the he goes on oh, no, i'm giving dawa you've talking to for half an hour how much dawa do you give in right so the response is this is not from the shariat <laughs> to the point and notice non mahram women if it's a mahram no problem non mahram women so not he kept it to the point so now the women need to know that the women must be very careful and this is why there's a very uh, interesting report where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said the best uh, atr for the man is the one that gives a smell but doesn't leave a mark the best atr for the women is the one that leaves a mark but has little smell so the prophet this is look how interesting the report the prophet was saying women can no problem you know put perfume on but it shouldn't be strong it shouldn't attract people especially essentially if they go into the masjid so now is it more rewarding for the women to go to the masjid the answer is for the salat no it is more rewarding if they offer it in the corner of their own dwellings however if they want to go to the masjid there's no problem as long as there's you know facilities for them the other thing which is important to point out the masjid is not just for salah so when you say women it is better for women to pray at home the masjid may have you know activities there may be a, a you know a, a talk a lecture things taking place so obviously the women can attend the masjid for that reason and there should be facilities for that reason as well and the other thing which is obvious that women usually and i'm not saying this you know in any they're more cleanlier they're more particular about cleanliness than the male folk so the females if they're in the masjid the, the masjid will be spotless you know it's in their nature so even from that angle you know why are you preventing the female folk you know even just a practical reason you know, what's all this about so note again and the tragedy now is most of the masjids don't allow females let alone give facilities for them to come to the masjid but this is not part of our deen so again it's very important to distinguish what's taking place so note abu hurairah radiyallahu he's teaching the female folk i with regards to salah with regards to the tahajjud of this noble man abu uthman an-nahdi rahmatullahi he said i was a guest of abu hurairah radiyallahu for seven days sayyidina abu hurairah radiyallahu his wife and his servant used to get up and remain awake for one third of the night by turns yusalli hadha thumma yuqidhu hadha each would offer the night prayer and then awaken the other subhanallah this is in sahih bukhari number 5441 ahmad in his musnad number 8633 sahih al-isaba volume 7 page 202 mariful ahadith volume 4 page 566 of the new english translation so let's look at this so there was a guest Abu Uthman he was a very famous student of Abu Hurairah rahmatullahi he goes I was the guest for 7 days so think about that he was intimate with Abu Hurairah 7 days 
in his own dwelling and he said i noticed abu huraira his wife and his servant used to get up and remain awake for one third of the night by turns so abu huraira one third of the night he did ibadat then his wife would take over for one third of the night then his servant then look what uh, abu uthman said yusalli hadha thumma yuqidhu hadha each would offer the night prayer and then awaken the other so they all slept you understand but the one who was praying was the one who was awake when he finished or she finished the next person would wake and they would offer the prayer this is in sahih bukhari but which one was abu huraira was he the first to pray second or third sayyidana abu huraira radiyallahu he would be the second to awake because he himself said radiyallahu I divide the night into three parts. I sleep in the first part. Offer salat in the second part. And recollect the hadith of Rasulullah in the third. This is in Darimi in his Sunan 1-82. So Bukhari Sharif doesn't mention which one it was. He would get up for a third of the night. The hadith himself, he explained it was a second part. So now let's look at this. How does this work? So what he would do, he would offer with them, with his Isha. So he'd offer the Isha prayer, complete it, and he would pray the Witr early. He would go back to his dwelling and he would retire, he'd get some sleep. After one of his family members would offer the Tahajjit for a third of the night, they would wake him up. Then he would get up, he'd offer Salat for a third. And after, in the last third, he just go through the hadith that Allah Ta'ala blessed him with, recollecting hadith. So now let me ask you a question. We ask how many raqats? You know, that's the normal response. How many raqats do you offer tajjid? Which person would say this? How much of the night do you offer tajjid? That to us is a strange question. What do you mean, how much of the night? That shows standards have dropped. You know, we argue, is it eight raqats? Is it 12 raqats? I don't know about that, brother. Well, how much of the night do you pray? And then he goes, well, I don't, I don't really look at that. And then the response is, well, there's the standard. He'd pray for one third of the night. Then he would remember hadith for one third of the night. So two thirds of the night, he's doing ibadat. Think about that. Those Abu Huraira would sleep only a third of the night. So Lord, his night, I'm talking about his zikr yesterday, <laughs> in the 2000 and this, that, the other. And you're thinking he's going to be having a cracking sleep. And he did. But how long? He's up again, ready to go. So note is the hajjid. People say, what the hajjid did you do? Obviously, you think he's going to do some amazing acts, I can assume, and there you go. But how many people know that his whole family were doing it? What really struck me there was the servant. Why is the servant doing the hajjid for one third of the night? When you got a servant in the house, so what did your servant do? Cleans the dishes, you know, washes the clothes. Which servant? And he goes, and press Tajid one third of the night. Hey? <laughs> right? He's not personally about it. He goes, well, that's our servant, you know. Press for one third of the night. sleep at night. Right? And there you go. These were servants. Why? Because when they were seeing these great personalities, they thought it's shameful. You know, we should be doing this as well. His other acts of worship, his honorable guest, Abu Uthman and Nahdi, he further said, Rahmatullah, I asked, Oh Abu Huraira, radiyallahu, kaifa tasum? How do you fast? I. What is your pattern? 
He replied, As for me, I fast for three days at the beginning of the month. If there is some reason I cannot fast at the beginning of the month, then I do so at the end of the month. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 8633, Sahih. Ibn Asakir in his Tariq Dimishq, 19-122, Al-Isaba 4-207, Abu Nu'im Al-Hilya. So note, the, the guest is asking, he goes, uh, or teacher, how do you fast? What's your pattern? <laughs> Again, how strange a question. What's your pattern? You know, we don't ask those questions. We ask, brother, it's a special day. It's a special day tomorrow. You're going to fast. You know, we just talk about days. What's your pattern? You know, what's my pattern? Right? You know. Well, what's your pattern? And he said, this, this was quite low for the companions because their standard was so high. I fast three days at the beginning of the month. Now, look how interesting. Beginning of the month. And he goes, if for some reason I can't, I do it at the end of the month. This was his pattern. Confirming further, Abu Huraira himself said, My beloved friend advised me to do three things. Fast three days every month. Offer Salatul Duha. And offer Salatul Witr before I slept. I proving that he would sleep in the first third of the night. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim. Ahmed in his Musnad, number 7512, with a Sayyid chain of transmission. So look how he described the Prophet because my beloved friend, Khalili. You know, look how close he was to the Prophet because my beloved intimate friend advised me, meaning he didn't order it. But notice how he got it into his life. He goes, he advised me, do these three things. Fast three days every month. Now we know why he was doing that. Offer Salatul Duha, that's interesting. Salatul Duha is the uh, optional prayer midday, uh, sorry, mid morning. And then offer Salatul Witr, look how interesting. Before you sleep, Abu Huraira. That was a command from the Prophet. Normally, Witr is better at the end of the night because you get more reward. But he told Abu Huraira, before you sleep, meaning have a little bit of sleep at the beginning. And then obviously, he'd get up for the third of the night to offer the witr. Another virtue of those who do these three deeds regularly. What three deeds? Fast three days every month. Salatul duha, witr. So really witr you're going to do anyway. Three fast every month, inshallah. Salatul duha, try and get it into your life. If you do it regularly, Rasulullah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, whoever offers salatul duha, fast three days every month and does not miss the witr prayer. Whether he is stationary or on a journey, he is then credited with the reward of a martyr. Subhanallah. He is then credited with the reward of a martyr. This is in Tabarani. And Imam Sayyuti Rahmatullah in his Al-Hawi Lil-Fatawa 1-45 stated Hassan. So look how interesting. Three deeds. Now the Prophet told Abu Huraira, now this is the thing about the Prophet he'd say things to the Sahaba, but we more often than not don't get it. You know, we think, why did the Prophet mention these three deeds to Abu Huraira? There's so many other deeds. Why did he specifically tell him, fast three days every month, offer Salat al-Duha, offer Salat al-Wutr before you sleep, you have the face we think. This report explains, meaning I want to give you the reward of a martyr. And note, on a journey as well. Salatul Duha. Think about it. You know, Salatul Duha is, you know, we find it difficult when you're at home. 
He might not enjoy anything. Brother, it's not for Salat Dua. Brother, calm down. Salat Dua, right? And he goes, you know, what are you talking about? And there you go. This is a prayer that even on a journey you should offer. Minimum two. And what is the famous uh, virtue of Salat Dua? Well, I'll mention it now. I'll mention a few of the reports. One can appreciate the above when one remembers it was no other than Abu Hurairah who relates that our beloved messenger said, whoever takes care to offer just two rakat salat al-duha, then all of his sins will be forgiven even though they were as profuse as the form of the sea. Subhanallah. This is in Tirmidhi, number 475, Ibn Imajin, number 1832, Hassan Lighayri, Ahmed in his Musnad, Mishkat and Udis. Two rakats. Mid-morning, you know, all year round you can offer it uh, nine o'clock in this part of the world in England, nine o'clock to half past eleven, whether it's winter or summer, nine o'clock to half past eleven. So use that as a gauge. But obviously, if you want to be more precise, you can work it out. But to make it simple, Nine till half past eleven, you're fine to offer Salat al-Duha all year round in this part of the world. Two rakats, the Prophet said, is so great, even if your sins are like the form of the sea, is forgiven. Think about that. I know brothers who regularly offer it. I don't want to mention the names. Right? But they take a prayer, man. He goes, what a bargain, he says. He goes, just for two rakats, complete wiper. He goes, you must be crazy. Now imagine if it was a worldly thing. <laughs> you know, just imagine. So let's make it a worldly thing, you know, hypothetically. If somebody says, if you offer two rakats, I'll give you a, you know, I'll give you a year's wages. Be honest. <laughs> Even if it, you'd consider it fun in the end. Right? He goes, Even if I'm ill, I'm going to crawl into prayer. Because it's not because it's worth something to you. But when it comes to sin, you forgive me. No, it's, oh, well, you know, other things take my mind, so I'm not really fussed about it. You know, somebody gives you a suitcase of money, then you go, I don't need another suitcase. I've got a suitcase. Well, then, don't take it then. You know, when it comes to, I'll have another one, man, no problem. I've another value of gold, like the Prophet said. So that's one virtue. The blessed Salat al Doha is priceless. Why? Because in a very famous report, our beloved Messenger mentioned, that one must offer a sadaqa daily for every joint of the body. And he said, and all this is accomplished by offering two rakat salat al-duha. Sayyid Muslim, number 720. So think about it. We got, you know, how many joints? Over 300 joints. 360, sorry. Mashallah. 360, I believe, because right? the hadith mentions it. But... You have to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the command of the Prophet. Now that shows that this is a very precious blessing. Because the Prophet didn't mention anything else. He goes joints. And you can only appreciate this when you see somebody who's got ailments like you know rheumatism, arthritis. You ask those, they go, Oh, you don't know how lucky you are. It's very painful. So now if you offer two rakat salat al-duha, the Prophet said, you've thanked enough for every one of the joints. All of them. Two rakats. But now there's a secret here. What does that tell you about Salat al-Duha? It will protect your health. If you offer regularly Salat al-Duha, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will give you your joints. In other words, you won't have any serious problems. You won't have you know, serious arthritis or things of that nature. And I was thinking about this. I heard a shaykh mention that. And then you just think of the righteous people. 
But you notice, they, you know, they, they're still going. You know, okay, they slow down a bit here and there, but you know, it's getting out of their chair quite easy, going, walking about, in and out of, you know, sujood as if they're still young. Why is that? Right? Salat al-Duha. Right? So it's a prayer of thanks. Think about that's another virtue. And there's another virtue of this, which is amazing. In Bazaar, number 694, Targheeb, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated Hassan in his Sahih al targheeb number 672. Our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whoever offers two rakats of Salat al-Duha will not be amongst the ghafirin, the neglectful. Whoever offers four rakats Salat al-Duha will be written amongst the obedient. Whoever offers six rakats Salat al-Duha will not be harmed by a sin he commits that day. Subhanallah. Whoever offers eight rakat Salat al-Duha will be written amongst the Qanitin, the rock-like servants. Whoever offers ten rakat Salat al-Duha, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build for him a house in paradise. Subhanallah. So let's look at this. So is it authentic? Yes. It's recorded in Bazaar. Shaykh al-Bani stated Hassan in Sayyid al-Targib is an authentic report. Now numbers are mentioned. Look how interesting. Two minimum. It goes up to ten here. But some of them you think, okay, Masha, they're all priceless. But look at number six. Mm. If you offer six rakat salat al-duha, you will not be harmed by a sin you commit that day. What does that mean? <laughs> Sins have nasty effects. <laughs> right? You know, you, you cause like chain reaction. Some ulama said, salat al-duha terminates that chain reaction. <laughs> In other words, it's going to cause serious harm. But you've terminated it with six rakats. So six is the kind of a golden number as well. Yeah. But eight, you are written amongst the rocks, Qanitin. Who is called Qanitin in the Quran? Sayyidah Maryam. Yeah. So think about it. Maryam was a rock. Yeah. She is the greatest woman of all time, according to you know a large section of the scholars. Alatalagwa, she's a rock. Yeah. And he uses the masculine uh, not Qanitat, Qanitin. Because she's just as strong as the you know the strong ones amongst the males. You offer eight dakats, you're amongst the Qanitin. Imagine, how am I amongst them? The Prophet said it. You offer 10, you get a palace in paradise. Now people don't appreciate the 10th. Why? They only appreciate it when you talk about 40. So he goes, uh, you're going to buy a house. You're building a house. And they go, oh yeah, brother. How do you know about that? And suddenly, you know, I think, well, I'm, I'm just asking, I don't want to buy anything. right? And he goes, I've got people in there, this, that, and the other. no problem. People are obsessed with houses. But those houses will leave you when you die. What about the houses that will never leave you? Are you interested in them? <laughs> right? Because which one's that? <laughs> it goes off. You know, the paradise, 10 rakats. <laughs> and just to add this, this hadith mentions 10 rakats. In another report, the Prophet wasallam said, whoever offers 6 rakats salat al-duha will be given sufficiency throughout the day. Whoever offers 12 rakats, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will build a house for him in paradise. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir, is Hassan Targheeb Sahih. So note again, six rakats, it will help you for the day. You've got some serious problems ahead of you, do six rakats, Salatul Duha, it will help you. And 12 rakats now are mentioned, and you get a palace in paradise. So that's why the scholars say minimum two, maximum 12, Salatul Duha, because of the hadith of the Prophet. So all I mentioned today, again, was taking a glimpse into the great worship of Sayyidina Abu Huraira and note 
it gives you a yearning as well. You notice when you start hearing these reports, you think, and I should be getting some of this. So this is again why we go through their lives. It inspires us to do good. At least get our foot on the ladder. You know, do something. Right? And also Abu Huraira, no day or night, he's, he's just doing worship. You know, it's his life. He's just full of ibadah. Why? Because that's what you're created for. You're on this dirt ball to do worship. And then he's trying to go to paradise. He didn't enjoy yourself. You know, not here to, you know, people have put their pajamas on now. You know, where do they get to paradise? Any, mashallah. Are there any questions? Subhanahu wa bihamdihi wa barakatuh Allahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi minash shaitanir rajeem subhanallahi wa bihamdihi wa barakatuh Allahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi minash shaitanir rajeem subhanallahi wa bihamdihi wa barakatuh Allahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi minash shaitanir rajeem subhanallahi wa bihamdihi wa barakatuh Allahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika wa billahi minash